Well, today we're taking a break from our series, uh, which is uh, a series on the miracles of Jesus, and we are, we're going to look at our vision as a church. And so uh, every year, uh, we, we take one Sunday to take a moment, to stop and take a moment, to reflect on uh, our vision, uh, to reflect on the question, why are we here? What is the purpose of Fellowship Bible Church? Uh, why did God bring us into being? It's important sometimes to step back and ask the question, why? And it reminds me of a, there's this episode of uh, The Muppet Show, and I'm dating myself, but in the 80s, The Muppets, there was a show on television. And uh, on, on this one episode of The Muppets, uh, Kermit and Fozzie the Bear, they were invited onto a radio program, and Fozzie was so excited to be there. And so they get on this program, and, and Fozzie, he, he starts saying, oh, I, I'm so excited to be here. He's on the air, and he says, I'm so excited to be here. I love it here. I love it here. And then he suddenly stops, and he looks at Kermit, and he says, Kermit, why are we here? And it, it is important to ask the question, why are we here? You know, sometimes as a church, you get so busy and maybe even excited about what we're doing. We're doing that. We're doing this. We are, we're going here. We have this program. We have this event. We have this activity. But sometimes you need to stop and reflect on the question, why are we doing it all? What's the purpose? What is the point? Why are we here? And so uh, today we're going to take a few minutes to do that. And then after the sermon, we're going to take just a few minutes to uh, show us kind of where we were this past year, what, what happened this last year, and then where we're going to go this year. Now, in order to look at the, our, uh, the, the why question, we're going to look at John 15. Uh, John 15 is a famous, famous metaphor that Jesus gave, probably one of his most powerful and uh, important metaphors about the purpose of discipleship, the purpose of the Christian life. And we're going to be looking at this to uh, kind of discover our own purpose. And so uh, let me set the context. Je this is at the very end of Jesus' life, and they, uh, him and his disciples, they were just in the upper room uh, at the, you know, remember they had the Last Supper up there, and Jesus uh, t talked to his disciples about his upcoming death, and then, and then uh, this takes place here. They've just shut the door to the upper room, and they're walking towards the Mount of Olives, towards the, the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, Israel is a land of vineyards, and so as they're walking toward the Mount, towards the Mount of Olives, uh, no doubt there were vineyards on every side, vineyards all over the place. And so Jesus uses the opportunity to develop this incredible metaphor. And as Jesus pictured him looking around with his disciples at the vines, and he says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So he sets out this metaphor, and in the metaphor, uh, this is rich. There, there are so many, there's, it's rich, uh, latent with meaning, it weighs a ton. But at, one of the things that Jesus is trying to get across here is the, the purpose of discipleship, what he wants his disciples to do, why he's appointed them, why he's picked them, why he's planted them. He, he, and he uses the metaphor of the vine here, and he, he says, just as the purpose of a vineyard is to bear fruit, so the purpose of the church, so the purpose of every Christian is to bear fruit for my glory, spiritual fruit for my glory. 
Just as the vine's reason for being, reason for existence is fruit, so the reason for existence for every church, this church, and every Christian, you sitting in the, sitting in the seat today, your purpose is to bear fruit. You know, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a gardener, really, but a few years ago, we planted a raised garden in our backyard, a little square, uh, a couple little square raised gardens. And, uh, you know, we planted all sorts of fruit in there, and I imagined, uh, you know, eating, you know, growing in the spring and, and eating organic, fresh vegetables and fruit. Uh, the problem was it, it bore fruit, little, maybe a couple little <laughs> tomatoes here and there, but uh, quickly it died, and for years and years, it just sat there, not bearing any fruit. And so eventually we took the wood and we made it into a treehouse. Uh, because the, the, the purpose of a garden is fruit, vegetables, produce. And if you plant something like that and nothing comes out, well, there, its reason for being is, is not there. And so what good is it? Well, you make it into a treehouse. You turn it into something else. And this is our purpose. This is our reason for existence. God wants us to bear fruit in our community. Now, in the Bible, uh, fruit has, stands for a lot of different things. So one of the things it stands for is uh, good works, works of mercy and compassion in the community. And so Jesus, one point, says, bear fruit worthy of repentance. So repent and bear fruit. Show evidence of that repentance through mercy, compassion, doing justice, caring for the poor, uh, uh, taking care of the needy in the community. It also stands for a character formation, and so there's one famous place in, in the book of Galatians, uh, a letter that Paul wrote, where he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, goodness. These are all fruits. Character, life-giving character that comes out of your life. A fruit could also mean conversion, life change. And so, uh, you know, a church that's bearing fruit is going to see people coming to faith, knowing Jesus for the first time, uh, changing and, and growing and becoming more and more like Jesus. And so uh, this is the metaphor. This is the reason for our existence. This is why we are here, to produce fruit. Now, this metaphor, what I love about it is it's an outward metaphor. So uh, the vine doesn't exist for itself. Uh, the fruit that it produces is for other people. It's, it's, it's the, the grapes, you know, the, the, the nourishing, delicious, uh, life-giving fruit. The, the, the vine exists for the, to bless other people outside of itself. And it's the same for us. All the fruit that we produce is for the sake of our community, right? We don't exist for ourselves but to be a blessing to, the, to our friends and neighbors here in our, in our city, and I, I love that it's an organic metaphor. And so as the church, we're not like this uh, factory, this machine that produces uh, spiritual goods and services. Th this is a life-giving organic metaphor. It's natural. Uh, fruit is almost a byproduct of the life of Jesus living in us. And so we're a vine naturally producing fruit that, that's good for the community. And we always say that we want to be a presence in Batesville, Fellowship Bible Church. We, we want to be such a presence here that if we were gone, the, the people in our city would miss us. Right? We want to be such a, a fruit-bearing, life-giving community that if we were gone tomorrow, the, the, the city would actually be sad that we were not here. They would miss our presence. And so this is our prayer. This is our hope this year is that we might be a community that bears fruit, that fruit might just come out of our church 
so that we can be a blessing to everybody that's, that's around us. So as we think about that, I just want to make a few observations uh, as, as we go forward. A few observations as, as we think about our purpose of bearing fruit and being a blessing to our community. I want to make just a, a few little uh, thoughts here as we think about uh, doing this uh, this year. Uh, first of all, I want you to see that we are unable to produce fruit on our own. So uh, as, uh, there are many, many uh, smart people in this room. There are many gifted people in this room, many beautiful people in this room, uh, organized, hardworking people in this room. But as smart as we are and as gifted as we are and as hardworking as we are, we cannot produce fruit on our own. So as Jesus says, I am, notice he says, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it would bear more fruit. He says, abide in me and I in you in verse four. Because notice, a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Neither unless it abides in the vine can, it, can you unless you abide in me. Later on, he says, without me, you can do nothing. So just as a branch, uh, all by itself, is, it's, it's dead. It can't produce the fruit on its own. The branch's life is derivative. The branch's life comes directly from the vine, and we are just like that on our own. Without the life of Jesus in us, we cannot do what Jesus is asking us to do. You cannot bear fruit without the life-giving power of the vine. Now, it's important for us to see that, uh, you know, the, the, na the natural man, the, 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 per the, the human person, uh, the natural human person, uh, the Bible says, is dead in trespasses and sins. Uh, and that means that although there are lots of things you can do, you cannot, uh, you cannot love the way God wants you to love and produce the fruit that Jesus wants if you are not a Christian. And only unless you are a Christian and you have the life of Jesus uh, you know, gi giving you power can you bear the fruit that he wants. A famous quote by Bishop William Temple, he says this, it is no good giving me a play like Hamlet or King Lear and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it, I can't. And it is no good showing me a life like the life of Jesus and telling me to live a life like that. Jesus could do it, but I can't. But it, if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, then I could write plays like that. And if the spirit of Jesus could come and live in me, I could live a life like that. Right, so notice what he says here. Uh, Jesus can do it, but I can't, right? Bearing fruit is something Jesus could do, but on our own, we can't. Unless we are connected to him, as the branch is connected to the vine, we cannot produce the sorts of things that Jesus wants us to produce as a church. Without him, we are nothing. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't do any sorts of things without him. There are lots of things that you can do without Jesus, you know, even spiritual so sorts of things. We can have programs, we can gather in small groups, I could preach sermons, uh, we could, uh, you know, give money and, and, you know, produce a budget. There's a lot of activities that we could do on our own, but we cannot produce spiritual fruit on our own. There is such a thing as a busy, barren church, a church that does a lot of activities, but there's really no life there. There's really no life-giving presence, and therefore, there are no life-giving fruits there because you need Jesus to produce fruit. You can do lots of things without him, but to 
but to produce fruit. You need his life. And what this calls for is a posture of dependence. And so as we go on this year and we think about uh, producing fruit, what we want to do, it's important for us to, to have a posture of dependence on Jesus Christ where we are constantly saying, without him, we can't do anything. Always looking to him and, and crying out to him in and, and prayer and saying, Jesus, help us to live the life that you want us to live. Uh, you know, every week in our staff meeting, the staff gathers and, and we pray. We pray for the church. And one of the things I pray every single week is, God, give me the ability to lead beyond my ability. Jesus, give me the ability to, to, to do what I can't do on my own. Sure, I can, I can try to lead and I can try to preach sermons, but really without the power of Jesus Christ, no fruit will come of that. And so as you go out, and, and maybe as you're here and you're serving in, in the Sunday school area, before you walk into that classroom, just pray, Jesus, give me the ability to teach these kids in such a way that, that fruit comes out of this, real spiritual fruit. As you lead worship, before you get up here and you, and you lead us in song, pray, Jesus, give us the ability to lead your people into your presence. Sure, we can play instruments, but without you, there's going to be no fruit. As you walk out the door, maybe make this your prayer. Lord, help me to, to live in my marriage and to treat my spouse in such a way that, that we have a fruitful marriage. Help me, Lord, to, to, to treat my kids and to love my kids in, in your power, in your spirit, because really, in order to be a fruitful parent, I need your, your power. You see, Jesus says it categorically, without me, you can do nothing. There's a great old hymn, and I forget who the hymn writer is, but it says, I need thee, oh, I need thee every hour, every hour I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior, I come to you. No spiritual achievement is possible apart from Christ, and so this ought to be our constant cry, Lord, we need you. Just like Joshua in the Old Testament, Lord, I'm not going to go unless you go with me. I'm not even going to try unless, unless, you're, unless I know that you're there because I know that I need you to produce the things that you are calling me to produce in my life. And so the first thing is that uh, fruit is impossible without Jesus Christ, his power. But notice, uh, I want you to see another thing. Uh, pruning is, nece- is a necessary part of, bear- of bearing fruit. Without pruning, fruit is impossible. Now notice Jesus says here in in this illustration, uh, the vine and the branches, there's another person involved, it's the vine dresser. The vine dresser is the person who is cultivating the vine, uh, the person who owns the vineyard and and wants the, the, the vines to be productive, and it says, my father is the vine dresser, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So you think about Judas, who is one of Jesus' disciples, who wasn't, never really was connected to the vine. He never was a true follower. He never was there because he wanted to follow Jesus, and so he was gone. And then he says, but every branch that does bear fruit, notice what Jesus says the Father does. He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, uh, I am, like I said, I'm not really, a, I'm not a, somebody who's into horticulture, and uh, I don't really know uh, how to pr- prune, uh, you know, fruit, but uh, so I looked it up in Wikipedia, the source of all true information. 
This is what Wikipedia says about pruning. Pruning is a horticultural practice involving the selective removal of certain parts of a plant, such as branches, buds, or roots. Reasons to prune plant would include a deadwood, removal, shaping, or improving or sustaining health. So pruning is that practice where uh, the vine dresser cuts away tissue, maybe even cuts away fruit, uh, you know, peels away all the, 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 the leaves and, and the things that make a, a branch beautiful in order that it might sustain future health of that branch. So when I was growing up, uh, uh, there was one time where the city, they actually sent workers out to prune the trees in our neighborhood. And we had these big oak trees, you know, that, that were just beautiful and leaves all over the place. And uh, they came and they cut, cut off all the, the branches on these trees. So like our street looked like a bunch of dead sticks. And I remember just being like, that looks worse. <laughs> Why did they do that? It, 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 they've made our neighborhood look barren and worse. But you see, what, what someone who, who, who prunes knows is that you've got to make the branch look worse before it gets better. Sometimes you need to peel away the, the fruit and the leaves in order f- so that in the future there might be sustained future health and more growth. And that's exactly what it says here is that a branch that already bears fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. Now you think about your life and, and what it means for God to prune you. You know, there, there are seasons in our lives where uh, we actually, we look worse before we get better. We were in a small group a couple weeks ago, and, and one of the, the women said, she said, you know, I, I thought I was a really strong Christian. You know, all sorts of, I thought I was patient, I thought I was kind. I just thought I was a really mellow person until I had children. And then all sorts of bad stuff came out, and I, I feel like I'm worse now than I was before. But sometimes you need to look worse before you get better. This is pruning. There are seasons of, of, of in the life of a church and in the life of a Christian where, you, where, where God is pruning you, pruning you. And fruit doesn't, it's not there. It doesn't look like there's any, even any life there. But there is a purpose, and the purpose is periods of more fruit later on. And this is a pattern all the way through the Bible. So uh, you look at someone like uh, Joseph, for example, in the Old Testament. And uh, God told him in a dream, you're going to have a fruitful life. But before that fruit came, he actually spent years in a prison. Things looked worse before they got better. But God was working during that time. Or you have someone like Moses, and, and God calls Moses to be the deliverer of Israel so that, so that Israel might bear fruit. But before Moses could deliver the people of Israel, he spent 40 years in the desert. Looked like God was done, like God wasn't doing anything, but God was working the whole time. Uh, Even the people of Israel collectively, God delivers them out of uh, Egypt into the promised land, a land just of fruitfulness and flowing with milk and honey, but before they got into the promised land, they spent 40 years in the desert. In our passage, the disciples, Jesus says, I've appointed you so that you will go and bear fruit, but before that happened, Jesus would go to the cross and every single one of the disciples would run away into the darkness and spend a period of, in fear and in hiding where there was nothing. But then later on, fruit begins to come. So do you see this is a pattern in the Bible where, where God prunes before the fruit comes. There are seasons of barrenness 
uh, that come before seasons of fruitfulness. Now, if you're somebody who's kind of a type A overachiever, this is going to frustrate you. Because I know who you are. I know what you, you are. You're, you want everything up and to the right all the time. I want fruit, fruit, and more fruit. I want it quick. I want it now. Tell me what to do. I'll make it happen. But if this is you, the, God's way of producing fruit is going to frustrate you because fruit always comes in intervals. And there, there is always pruning. And sometimes things look worse before they get better. And so what this calls for is trust in those times. It calls for what Eugene Peterson called a long obedience in the same direction. That even when you don't see the fruit coming, you're trusting that God is at work. And things that are stripped away actually have a purpose. And that purpose is more fruit later. C.S. Lewis has, a, has this uh, image of a house, so I'm going to mix metaphors a little bit. We're changing to talking about a house here. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in and to, to rebuild that house, and at first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He is getting the, the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You know that those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from, what, from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards, you thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. So he's working. Even when it looks like he's taking things apart, he's working. And there might be periods where there are no fruit, but he's working so that more fruit will come later. So pruning is a necessary part of bearing fruit. And then uh, number three, this is the third point, uh, fruit, uh, in order to come, uh, there, there cannot be fruit without something called abiding. Abiding is the responsibility of bearing fruit. So notice as you go through the passage, uh, Jesus sets up the, the metaphor. He says, I am the vine. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Uh, the, the life comes from the vine through the branches so that we are a conduit and we bear fruit. It sounds so easy. easy. It sounds like we just hang out and fruit just comes naturally without us doing anything. But notice there's a word all the way through this passage. It shows up more than fruit. And of course, it's the word abide. He says, you will not bear fruit unless you abide in me. So uh, you, what is our responsibility then as a church? If we're going to bear fruit, uh, we've got to learn what it means to abide in him. Now, in a sense, all of us are already abiding all the time. To be a Christian is to be connected to God's life automatically. The very moment you become a Christian, you are, you are uh, grafted into the, to the body of Jesus Christ, and his life is in you. So you're already connected to him by virtue of your faith in Christ. But being connected to Jesus is not only reality of every person who believes, it's also a responsibility for every person who believes. And in order to really bear fruit, you know, you, even if you're connected to Jesus, you've got to remain connected to him. You've got to abide in him if you want that fruit to come. It's kind of like a marriage. Uh, you know, when you get married, you are, you are 
you're married. <laughs> that's what you are. Uh, it's not like you get unmarried some days and you're married again. It's like that's a reality. It's a constant reality if you're married. But you've got a responsibility to stay connected to your spouse. You, are, you already are connected through the ring, but you've got a responsibility to remain connected through open lines of communication and date nights and, and forgiveness and, and just staying connected to, to the person you're married to. And what, what Jesus is saying here is, I want you to stay connected to me. And the word abide, it's sort of an active and passive word. It's, it's both in one. So it literally means to remain, just to stay put. And so you just have to stay. It's not like just stayed with Jesus. Don't leave him. Don't walk away from him. Just stay with him to bear fruit. But it's an active thing. Like I said with a marriage, it's like you've got you've to cultivate that relationship with him and you've got to remain connected. St. Augustine put it this way. He said, without God, or without God, I can't, but without me, God won't. Let me read that again. Without God, I can't, but without me, God won't. So we have a, you might even call this dependent responsibility. You can do nothing without Jesus, but without you actually participating and, and doing what he wants you to do, you're not going to bear fruit. Jerry Bridges uh, gives us, an, this is a, a farmer uh, metaphor, it's another one. Uh, He says, a farmer plows his field, sows the seed, and fertilizes and cultivates, all the while knowing that in the final analysis, he is utterly dependent on forces outside of himself. He knows he cannot cause the seed to germinate, nor can he produce the rain and, and sunshine for growing and harvesting the crop. For a successful harvest, he is dependent on these things from God. Yet, the farmer knows that unless he diligently, diligently pursues his responsibilities to plow, plant, fertilize, and cultivate, he cannot expect a harvest at the end of the season. In a sense, he is in a partnership with God, and he will reap its benefits only when he has fulfilled his responsibilities. So abiding is a, it's a partnership. God does his part, yes, all the time, but, but we, need to, we have the responsibility to stay connected. Now, as a church, we try to facil- facilitate that. And we, you know, we will, one of the things Jesus says is, remain in my word, and so every Sunday, we try to preach the word of God clearly and faithfully. And so our responsibility is to come on Sunday with an open heart and an open mind, ready to receive God's word. God's words are spirit and they are life. They're like fertilizer, And so our responsibility is to come and soak in the word of God. And so a part of abiding is just coming on Sunday. And another thing we do is we have small groups. And and small groups are places where you can know and be known. Where you can share what's going on in your life and get prayer and, and, and encouragement. And one of the, that's another thing you can do to abide, to just remain with Jesus, is go to a small group and stay connected to that community and, and draw life from that community. Another thing you can do is join Jesus in his mission. Uh, you could serve at our Father's table. You can uh, you know, join the welcome team or, or serve in the kids' ministry. But, but Jesus is on the move. Jesus is serving our community. And he says, will you join me in what I'm doing? So you can, you can uh, you know, start using your gifts to serve. These are all ways that you could remain connected to Jesus Christ. Daily Bible reading and prayer. Uh, one of the things Jesus says is he says, I want you to ask, ask me, ask me for things, and I want to do things for you, but you've got to be there and, and, and pray and ask me. 
And so it's our responsibility as a church to, to sort of remain with Jesus Christ, just stay connected to him through all these different means. And so Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Here's your purpose. This is what I want for you. For you. This is what I want for this church. He says, I want you to bear fruit. I want you to be a life-giving presence in this community. Real fruit, fruit that remains. Not anything that we manufacture on our own, but things that come directly from God's life. And how do we do that? Well, we've got to know that we need Jesus to do it. Without him, we could do nothing. And you've got to know that there are seasons of pruning where fruit doesn't come. And it looks like nothing's happening, but, but God is always working. And then finally, abide. Abide in me, Jesus said. Cultivate that relationship. Stay connected to me. Through hearing the word of God, through reading scripture on your own, through going to a small group, you know, you've got a responsibility to stay connected, and as we do, we will bear much fruit. Well, let me end with some encouragement. Notice Jesus says that, that when you do bear fruit, he says this is the secret of your joy. You know, your greatest joy is not found in consumption or uh, being, becoming successful uh, at your job, that's not the root of your joy. Your joy is living into something bigger than yourself. You find your joy in being a blessing, a fruitful, delicious, life-giving blessing to others. You don't exist for yourself. And when you start existing for you and when we start existing for us, we lose our joy. But as we pour ourselves out, as we realize our existence is for blessing, we find our greatest joy. I want you to also see that fruit will come. You know, the, the flip side of the statement Jesus makes, without me, you can do nothing. The flip side is true, which is, with Jesus, all things are possible. You know, and it, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what sort of marriage you're facing or, or what, side of, what sort of challenge you're facing, if the life of Jesus Christ is in you, fruit is inevitable. The life of God is powerful in you. It's real and it's powerful in you. G. Campbell Morgan tells an illustration uh, of a time he was in Italy and he, he was in a graveyard. And a big marble slab fell over in the graveyard on top of a little acorn. And he said that the acorn germinated and life began to grow and it actually broke through the marble. And in the middle of the marble stone, there was a big oak tree. Now, what, who, you know, what, what's stronger, an acorn or a big marble, marble slab? Who's going to win? Oh, no contest. The acorn wins every time. Organic life is powerful. And the life of God lives in us. And no matter what sort of hard heart or hard marriage or hard situation we face, fruit will come. Without him, we can do nothing. But if the power of the living God is in us, fruit will come for his glory and our joy. So we're going to stop there. And uh, for the next just couple minutes here, we're going to take some time and just review some of the fruit that uh, we saw uh, by God's grace in our church this past year, and then we'll do a couple things looking uh, towards the future um, this year. So if Sam and Terry, you want to come on up here? And as you do, let me pray for us. Dear God, as we uh, seek to be a, a fruitful vineyard, a fruitful vine in our city, we pray, God, that your life would be here, that you would fill us, enable us, give us vitality,
Uh, Prune us, cultivate us, do all the things that you do, and help us, Lord, to abide in you. And I pray that, that by your grace and for your glory and for our joy, we would bear fruit, that we would be a blessing to our friends and neighbors here in Batesville and beyond. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.